Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We are concluding our series on the way of the cross. Christine Gershom shares with us today on what it's like to be at the cross and all that the cross has to offer us. As we listen to the word can we ask god to speak to us in his still small voice hi church it's such a joy to bring god's word to you today um even on good friday so often we we think we should mourn on good friday when in fact there's so much to rejoice there's so much to look forward to and um on good friday we're looking at what jesus went through at the cross we've been looking at the way of the cross we looked at how the way is a narrow one we looked at how it's one that needs consistent prayer it's one that involves weighty worship we looked at how it's one that has selfless service done for others we also looked at how it's one of heavy hardship and there's so much that we meditated on these past 6 weeks and today we come to the cross we come to the place of the cross and we see all that the cross has to offer us and what we are required to do at the cross i've got this cross um which my parents gifted me from their trip to jerusalem and while the cross has become so important symbolically for a lot of us we wear it as um you know accessories we have it in our home decor but do we really understand what this cross symbolizes and what this cross means for each of us and so today that's what we're going to be looking at we're going to look at this cross at as a place where we find all that we need the cross in fact was like a curse word that was used during the times of the romans there was no one who would use that word in a conversation without it meaning something terrible but yet god turned this around this cross this instrument and symbol of torture was turned around to demonstrate something way greater than we could ever ever, ever imagine and so today we're going to be looking at what it looks to be at the cross as we look at it as we see jesus hanging on it the great thing is he didn't stay hanging on the cross he was buried he was he rose again but today we're going to look at what happened when he was on that cross so the word crux or the word crucial actually stems from the same word that is used for the word cross so basically when we talk about the gospel right its entirety of us being created in the image of god and then falling because of our sin the the crucial part of the gospel story is the cross it's central it's front and center to our redemption without the cross the rest of the gospel will fall flat it really isn't good news if the cross is not central to the gospel and therefore it's so important for us to look at the cross and understand all that it means for us lest we empty it of its power lest we forget what is really about and lest we try to live out this gospel centered life without the cross at the center and so today we're going to look at all that the cross symbolizes for us we're going to come to the cross and we're going to see that this cross is a place of so many things for us each of us need different things but when we come to the cross the cross promises to be a place of great salvation for each of us and so i want us to look today at five things that the place of the cross actually resembles for us the first thing is that the cross is a place of power can we look at 1 corinthians chapter 1 verses 17 to 18 this is what it says for christ did not send me as an apostle to baptize 
but commissioned and empowered me to preach the good news for salvation, not with clever and eloquent speech as an orator, so that the cross of Christ would not be made ineffective, deprived of its saving power. For the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they reject it, but to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is a manifestation of the power of God. If you remember in the gospel narrative of the crucifixion, as soon as Jesus died, there was a mighty earthquake. Many tombs opened up. There was a lot of, um, it, if you've watched the movie Ben-Hur, you can picture this. There was a lot of shifts that were happening physically all around them. And it was a demonstration of the kind of power that was being unleashed by Jesus dying on the cross. Today, so often we as believers, you know, we, we live lives that are powerless. We think a particular sickness is going to take us under. We think that, you know, this, this financial situation is going to just, just strip me of all worth and ability. But today, can we remember this, that the cross is a place of power. It's a place where Jesus actually gave us a share of that power. This is what 2 Corinthians 13 verse 3 to 4 says, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we are also weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Paul had to defend himself because people were saying, we don't know with what power you're speaking. Yet Paul was powerful in his speech, indeed. But people were still asking him, what is your authenticity? Who gives you your validity? And this is what Paul was saying to them. Hey, God lives in me and his power is what you see. By his power, I speak and do the things I do. Today, can I ask you that? Are you living a powerless life? Maybe it's time you come back to the cross. The second thing I want us to look at at the cross, that it is a place of decision. The cross is a place of decision. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1 verses 22 to 24. For the Jews constantly demand to see miraculous signs while those who are not Jews constantly cling to the world's wisdom. But we preach the crucified Messiah. The Jews stumble over him. The rest of the world sees him as foolishness. But for those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, he is God's mighty power, God's true wisdom and our Messiah. There can't be a greater declaration of who Jesus is. In fact, the cross is the clearest way for us to make our decision. If you've been contemplating Jesus or if you knew Jesus and now you say, I'm not so sure, the cross has to bring us back to a place of decision. We have to come to this place of saying, you know what, God? Jesus, you are God. You are enough for me. You, Through you, I find salvation. Through you, I find my healing. Through you, I find my renewal. Through you, I am saved. The cross has to be a place of decision. And I think about the centurion who stood at the foot of the cross. This guy was probably involved in the crucifixion process, in the torture and yet, when he saw the earthquake, when he saw all the natural phenomenon happening around him, he looked up and Jesus and said, truly, he was the son of God. He made a decision in that moment. How often in this time that we all live in with social media and with, and with podcasts, we have so many options. We have the option to debate about everything. We, we go back and forth on who we think God is and what we think living by his uh, ways are. But 
ultimately, when we think of the cross, we need to come to a decision. We can be wishy-washy no longer. We can no longer say, I think I like this part of Jesus, but I don't like this. But hey, we are preaching a crucified Christ, a Christ who was on that tree. Yes, to some it's foolishness. To some, some it's a stumbling block. They don't get it. But for you and me, it's the power of God. Jesus is the manifold wisdom of God. Without Jesus, salvation is impossible. So the cross needs to be a place of decision. Will you make a decision? Have you been going back and forth between believing and not believing? This is what Hebrews chapter 6 says. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. The longer we dilly-dally, the longer we go back and forth between belief and unbelief, there's a problem. The longer we reject Jesus as the king of our lives, there is a problem. That's what he's talking about. The writer says that we are crucifying him again and again, that his death on the cross was pointless. So I ask you, will you make a decision today? Will you decide, today, Jesus, I choose you, nothing else. You are enough. The third thing that the cross is, the cross is a place of transformation. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm thinking of the two thieves who were crucified beside Jesus on those other crosses and it says that along with a crowd who was mocking Jesus, these two thieves were also mocking him. They said, you know what? If you're the son of God, get yourself down from you and get us also down. And they went on about it. But closer towards the time of Jesus' death, one of those thieves stopped it. And that guy said, Jesus, remember me today when you enter paradise. That man's life changed in the matter of probably three hours. He watched who Jesus was. He must have heard so much about Jesus. And there was that placard over Jesus' head saying, Jesus, King of the Jews. What greater attestation was needed? But this man watched all of that from very close quarters. And within a few hours, his heart had changed. His heart had transformed. And that's what the cross is. The cross is a place of transformation. You and I can't imagine a life where we come to the cross, we come to Jesus and then say, you know what, my life's going to be the same after this, you know, just the same old uh, breezy fun ride. No, when we come to the cross, when we come to Jesus, there is literally a complete overhaul. The old has gone, the new has come. That's what 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31 says this, brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, nobody, so that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent. 
when we talk about this transformation it's not just a person a new creation it's not just that it's saying sometimes we come into come into knowing jesus as literally no we don't have a purpose nobody's we're not known nobody knows us we're lacking worth we're lacking value but in jesus so much changes that new creation doesn't just come easy he changes how we think of ourselves he changes our purpose he changes how we interact with people and eventually we realize just how valued we are to god and how valuable we are for his kingdom's purposes that kind of transformation is amazing and that happens only at the cross when the cross is front and center of our lives we realize that in jesus i'm not the same who i was 5 years back no way that's not who i am today and we need to keep allowing the holy spirit to transform us and so i want to remind us are you ready are you and i ready to be transformed maybe we put a stop to the transformation by distancing ourselves from the cross from distancing ourselves from jesus because the transformation process is not easy but today i want to say will you come back will you come back and allow the holy spirit to transform you the fourth thing that the cross is the cross is a place of obedience philippians 2 verse 8 says he humbled himself in obedience to god and died a criminal's death on a cross he's talking about jesus himself jesus was god yet he lived on earth as a human 100% human and he lived in obedience to god the father and when he said this is the plan you're going to die on the cross it says he just humbly subjected himself to that he obeyed hebrews 12 verse 2 also says this we do this by keeping our eyes on jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross disregarding its shame now he is seated in the place of honor beside god's throne it's amazing how our obedience may feel hard at the moment but it brings for us joy and fulfillment in the future i'm thinking of again at the cross when jesus hung on the cross he looked down and in compassion saw his mother mary kneeling at the foot of the cross and and mourning what her son was going through can you imagine what it's like to see your child your first child um going through something like that as a mother it's it's pretty hard to picture that but jesus looks from the cross looks at her and then he looks over at john who's written that particular gospel and he says this is your mother take her in today and john and mary adopted each other that day mary had many other children mind you but God, jesus had a different plan for her he said he's going to look after you and john had to take in jesus's mother and look after her for the rest of her life what an act of obedience sometimes god asks us to do some things which are not so easy to to stomach it's it's not so palatable at the time but his plans we have to trust in his plans we have to trust that what he has for us is better than what we have for ourselves mary wouldn't have planned that morning to be adopted by another young man and taken into his home and be looked after yet she submitted to what god had for her she's been obe- obeying god for the longest time so it was not new to her the apostle john obedience because he loved god he loved jesus so deeply he just did what was told today is our obedience motivated out of love or is it motivated out of obligation oh, if i don't do this there's going to be fire and brimstone that falls on my head 
can we turn it around to say lord i will obey you because i love you so deeply i'm so grateful for what you did let's remove obligation let's bring in gratitude lord i'm so grateful for what you did on the cross and therefore i will obey you with all of my heart what you ask me to do i will do it what you ask me to speak i will speak where you ask me to go i will go can we live a life of obedience because at the cross obedience was exemplified a son's obedience to the father disciples obedience to his leader can we live a life of obedience the fifth thing is that it's a place of grace you know this is one of the most overused words in the christian faith but you know without grace we are nothing let's not diminish what this word does for us this word is the reason that we are all standing righteous today before god and it's a place of grace the cross is a place of grace let's look at what titus chapter 2 says for the grace of god has been revealed bringing salvation to all people and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures we should live in this evil world with wisdom righteousness and devotion to god while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ will be revealed he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds let me repeat that it says he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people when jesus hung on that cross when jesus hung on that cross he said this very poignant statement he looked up to heaven and he said father forgive them for they know not what they do which is a laughable thing because everyone who was doing what they were doing knew exactly what they were doing they knew that they were crucifying this god man they knew there was something different about him they knew he spoke with power and authority they knew that he was bringing the kingdom but they didn't understand how they expected him to be an earthly king like we saw last week but here was this heavenly king he he promised a kingdom that they couldn't understand but they they knew he kept his word they had seen him heal people from the most terrible ailments they had watched demons shriek and call out who he was before they were silenced these were people who had laid down their coats just a week back they knew exactly who he was yet in a heartbeat they sold him in exchange for barabbas a career criminal someone who had been in and out of jail probably doing all kinds of things that were above the law but here was a man who was sinless and the people knew it his neighbors must have stood there the ones who watched him grow up the ones who knew his parents the ones who knew who he really really was and yet not one stood up for him couple of his disciples let him down this was jesus this was his situation and yet and he was god so he knew what was going on in everyone's hearts he could probably read everyone's minds and yet he says father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and you know what i had to personalize that for myself lord because so many times i've hurt you knowing that i'm hurting you i have said that thing that you i know will not please you i've looked in a direction that i knew you told me not to look in and yet he says father forgive her for she doesn't know what she's doing what a statement of grace that grace covers every sin you know grace is just simply this it's undeserved favor 
Mercy is when punishment is withheld. But grace is when not only is the punishment withheld, something extra is added. A bonus is given. I mean, what did we deserve eternal life? We didn't. Did we deserve a slate wiped clean? We didn't. And yet, that's what the cross does. It's a place of grace. Will you and I accept that? So often we boast about our lives as if we have created what we have. We say, you know what, I, I've got this promotion. I've done this with my children. I'm, 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 you know, homeschooling them. I do this, I do that. Have we forgotten the most important thing there that without God's grace, we would have nothing. We would be able to do nothing. We will stand condemned before the maker of the earth and the heavens. Today, where does our boast come from? This is what Galatians chapter 6 verse 14 says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The next time we decide to boast about our abilities or how we're holding everything together, can we just stop and boast in what the cross has done for us? That because of Jesus, I have grace today to do everything I do. The cross is boastworthy. The grace of God is boastworthy, nothing else is. So as we stand at the cross, at we, as we stand at the foot of the cross, we know that now it's a place of grace, it's a place of obedience, it's a place of decision, it's a place of power, it's a place of transformation, and we know this now. But then now that this offers all this to us, what are we doing in response? You know, it's so easy sometimes to forget to receive Forget to take what something offers. And as we looked at the way of the cross, it involved us doing so much. We need to pray. We need to work on our selflessness. We need to accept the hardships that come at us. There was so much that we need to do. But at the cross, can I just ask us to do this one thing? To graciously accept what the cross gives us. What Jesus on the cross gives us. And I believe the primary and fundamental thing that the cross symbolizes to us is love. The cross symbolizes God's love for us. It was, yes, an instrument of torture, of humiliation, of disrepute. But in Jesus, that turned around and it became the greatest symbol of love. And it's not an ordinary love. You know, when we use the word love, we talk about what we feel for our spouse or a, or a person we're in a relationship with or our children or our animal or our job or food. But this is a love which, which cannot be even understood, which cannot be fathomed. We cannot logicalize it. I can't even draw a parallel to something on earth. It's that kind of a love. It's an eternal love. It's an abundant love. It's unexplainable. But this is what I want to bring it down to. That this love that was shown to us on that cross, first of all, is a love that saves. It's not an ordinary love. You know, the love that we feel for each other within our relationships on earth, cannot save anybody. In fact, if it's a love that saves someone, we'll be permanently pushed in a position of a savior. And that will be a very dysfunctional relationship. But the love that God showed us through the cross is one that saves. Colossians chapter 2 says this, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Every sin, every sin, literally every sin, from the biggest to the smallest, 
has been wiped clean in Jesus, in what he did on the cross. When we accept that, when we repent of it, he wipes it clean. So the sins of the past, the present and the future are wiped clean. That's the beauty of this love. No ordinary love does that. No ordinary love can save us from our sinfulness. And we are inherently so sinful. Yet, on Good Friday, as we meditate on the cross, can I remind you that you are not unsavable, that God has already done it on the cross. You are saved. It's so funny in India, we have on a lot of our vehicles, Jesus saves. And a lot of times, you know, there have been jokes that came out of that in which bank people would ask. But hey, you know what? It's such a powerful statement that Jesus does save. Mostly, more importantly, Jesus' love saves you and me. Let's not stand there timid and shy and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm so ashamed. You know, we, we behave like Adam and Eve so often. We cover ourselves with those fig leaves and we say, Lord, even you can't, I don't want to show you who I really am. But here Jesus is saying, hey, I have wiped the slate clean. I know your sins. Even if you're hiding it, I know your sins. Sometimes it just needs us to bear it all before our God and say, this is who I am. And he promises not to embarrass us, not to, not to shame us, but no, to find relief, to find freedom. And he sets us free. He says that he makes those, those things that were crucified. He shamed the spiritual authorities and rulers that, that point condemning fingers at us, that say, you know what, you're worthless. That say, no, you are beyond hope. What you've gone through, nothing can, good can come of this. He publicly makes a spectacle. He crucified them. He said, hey, you know what, forget those voices. Listen to who I tell you you are. So the first thing is that it's a love that saves you. You are not unsavable. Your sins are totally and completely covered by the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross. The second thing is that this is a love that heals us. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 20 to 23 to 24 says this, When he was verbally abused, he did not return with an insult. When he suffered, he would not threaten retaliation. Jesus faithfully entrusted himself into the hands of God, who judges righteously. He himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. This is one of my favorite verses because I've claimed it so often over my body, over bodily ailments. But of late, I've started uh, claiming it in a different angle because a lot of our physical wounding, a lot of our physical ailments are because of deeper wounds, wounds in the spirit, wounds in our soul, in our mind, things that have happened in the past, things that have happened that we've covered up. And you know what? I want to encourage you that Jesus is in the process of healing each one of us. And rather than just asking him for our physical healing, can we ask him, Lord, I want you to do a deep cleanse. I want you to do an inner healing. Wounds that I don't even know I have. Can you heal me of that? Wounds that were inflicted even before I could logically think about it. Heal me from that. Because as we get older, we find that the old wounds somehow surface. The ones that have not been healed, the ones that have not been treated will pop up at the most unwanted time and cause havoc. Can you ask Jesus, Lord, I've suffered abuse. I've suffered torture. I've gone through trauma. I've been grief stricken. I've had physical ailments uh, assault me. I need your healing. And this love is not, again, like I said, it's not ordinary. A regular love, you know, that we have for our spouses or for our family members cannot heal anybody. 
at most it can soothe someone it cannot heal whereas the love that jesus offers promises to touch the deepest parts of us and heal us there've been so many cases where people have been physically healed of the most terrible illnesses and why is because this love of jesus that the blood that was symbolized in the blood that was shed from that cross touched their lives touched their bodies and so today i want to ask you what are the wounds that you have what are the sicknesses you are suffering from but you know that there are deeper roots to that what are the struggles you are facing that you've been asking for healing you've been saying lord i need healing but today jesus says hey my love will heal you the cross which symbolizes my love for you will heal can we believe that can we live in that acceptance of saying lord your cross has done it all this sickness i will find my healing in it sometimes our sickness does not get healed at the timeline that we set for it sometimes the struggles we go through with our inner man the conflict it doesn't just go away overnight but are you willing to go in it for the long haul with jesus because the beauty of it is this you know when we try to um, bring about um, you know healing with someone we say you know i want to help my child heal from this wounding we sometimes end up shaming them we end up pulling up the wrong threads and hurting them more but when jesus heals i can tell you this from personal experience when he brings up things that have hurt us in the past he doesn't do it with the intention to hurt us more he doesn't do it with the intention to wound us more instead he actually brings those wounds to the surface so that the holy spirit's gentle touch can touch it and heal it he does it for our healing so will you allow him today will you allow him to heal you exactly where you need to be healed you don't need to hide those broken bits from him anymore he is willing to touch you he is willing to heal you will you allow him will you allow this love to just wash over you and to cleanse those things that need to be cleansed will you allow him to heal that which has to be healed and the third thing that this love is this this love that i've been telling you about the love that the cross symbolizes the third thing is that this love reconciles us again when we draw a comparison to earthly human love there's only so much reconciliation that can be brought about because of our love ultimately the reconciliation that is most important is the reconciliation of the created and the creator our earthly relationships even between parents and children has limitations but you know the the love that our maker has for us unparalleled when he looks at us he delights in us even if we are stuck in a mess of our own doing he still delights in us he still loves us does he grieve over us yes does he feel sorry that there's such a distance between him and us yes but he wants to close that gap today and so the cross and the love that it demonstrates is one of a reconciling type it's one which says hey no longer do you have to be so far away come back come closer 2 corinthians chapter 5 verses 19 to 21 says this for god was in christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so we are christ's ambassadors god is making his appeal through us we speak for christ when we plead come back to god for god made christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with god through christ we've said this time and again in our church services that you and i now stand righteous before god when we accept him as the lord and savior 
we are made righteous we are reconciled to god so what's holding you back why are you unwilling to get into a closer walk with him why are you unwilling to get closer to him so that you can see his face you know sometimes children need to be held close to know how loved they are you are no different i am no different we need to get closer so that we can behold his face so that we can rest our head in the crook of his neck and say lord i need you and we can't do that if we hold jesus at arm's length we need to come into his embrace and so today at the cross will you allow that transforming love to draw you back to him that like that love that is so full of forgiveness that says come back come back come into my arms no longer do you have to be far remember that he has reconciled you to god and god waits for you maybe you have lived fatherless for the longest time maybe your spouse left maybe you don't remember what it's like to be held in an embrace but god is saying today come back because i want to hold you i want to hold you i want to protect you i want to speak promises into your ear i i don't want to scream at you from a distance come close i want to speak to you the secrets of the kingdom i want to tell you what's on my heart will you draw back to him will you come back because it's a love that causes reconciliation don't be angry at god anymore i know things have happened in your life sometimes where you look at god and you want to shake your fists at him and say lord why but today he's saying hey what i did on that cross was for you come back to me come back to me so i want us to look at all of this and understand that so often we live as enemies of the cross that's what paul writes in philippians 3 verses 18 to 19 this is what he says for there are many of whom i have often told you and now tell you even with tears who live as enemies of the cross of christ rejecting and opposing his way of salvation whose fate is destruction whose god is their belly their worldly appetite their sensuality their vanity and whose glory is in their shame who focus their mind on earthly and temporal things i want to ask you and this is a question i've been asking myself this week lord do i live like an enemy of the cross do i keep my eyes fixed on earthly things and lose focus of the eternal do i only want what works for me or do i do what works for you lord am i only caught up in my self my family my needs am i so inward focused that i've forgotten that you really have to be front and center of my life are you living like an enemy of the cross because if you are it's not too late it's not too late to remember what this cross did for us it's not too late to remember what jesus did on that cross and to come back and say lord i want to be at the cross because i need your grace i want to obey you lord i want to be transformed i want to live with that power i'm tired of living powerless I want to accept this love that heals that saves that reconciles me with you that's what I want if that's what you're saying can I pray for you right now can I pray that god is going to reignite a passion to live dead to the world and alive to christ father we just ask that each of us who know you lord that we will not live powerless lives that lord we will rise up knowing that the cross of christ has earned for us what we couldn't and lord that we will live in such power that we will live lord with an awareness of what you have done what you are doing and what you are going to do father i pray right now that if we are living as enemies of the cross 
just feeding our own appetites, living for ourselves. I pray that, Lord, we will right now drop everything and look up to you. Father, I pray that we will live as friends of the cross, Lord, knowing what it costs and yet picking up our cross every day, choosing you again and again, Lord, and following after you. Father, I pray where there is disobedience in anyone's life, Father, if they've Turn their face on what you've asked them to do. I pray right now that conviction will come and that, Lord, they will choose to obey you, O Father. Lord, if someone is feeling utterly worthless, saying what I've done disqualifies me from salvation, Father, that they will give themselves grace, Lord, that you have offered us in plenty. I pray that they will look back to you. If there's someone who's distanced themselves from you, O Father, if they've said, Lord, I can't take this I don't want you because you let me down. Father, that they will stop and they will come to a place of believing again, that you would give them the gift of faith, O oh Father. Lord, I pray that none of us will take your grace for granted. None of us, O oh Lord, will forget what you have done. And Lord, we just tell you again that we are so grateful for the cross. We're so grateful that you suffered so obediently on that cross without opening your mouth without arguing, without retaliating. We're so grateful to you, Father. We're so grateful to you, Jesus. We love you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you enter this week, each of us, as we enter this weekend, can we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, on the finished work on the cross? There's nothing left to be done. He's done everything. All we need to do is stand there and just bask in the love that is that comes off that cross. Accept it and let it transform our lives. Have an amazing weekend. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.